What's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. It's Jamie Dodd. It's my co-host, Canucks insider Thomas Drance, who also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, Drancer, welcome back to the studio, man. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed your American Thanksgiving weekend. Did I ever. (laughs) A very distinctive weekend. Not at all unlike every other weekend. (laughs) Totally different for me. For me as well. Yes. It was a great holiday weekend for everyone who celebrates. Yes. Well, I'm sure it was for everyone who celebrates. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this robotic not, not American Thanksgiving enjoyer. Which, which doesn't include myself. Yeah. Yeah. Lots the, of butter was consumed. The American Thanksgiving enjoyer has returned. <laughs> happy here. holidays. He is here. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. What? <laughs> happy holidays from me to you. Uh, so it's uh, we got a lot to get into today here on uh, on Canucks Talk. And we're looking forward to getting your text as well. We're going to start out. We're going to try something a little bit different here. Uh Hopefully, this will become a uh, a feature of the show. We're going to go to it here. I'll, I'll introduce it, and then we can explain a little bit of the context, and we'll get into it. But uh, we're going to start off today with something called, it's a new feature here on Canucks Talk, the whiteboard. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? <laughs> oh, I love that. Excellent. <laughs> Nailed it. Dom, the magician. Not in fantasy football, now but that, certainly in the booth. That is how you get to be the producer of 30 oh, shots. That so was that was actually killer work. 15 minutes ago, Dom comes in and is like, what do, you, uh, what do you guys want for the whiteboard? We're like, I don't know. Like Maybe some like sound of somebody writing on a whiteboard. And we're, Just do, go work some magic, Dom. And there it is. There's the magic that Dom works. So right let, let me quickly capture yes. this, okay? So the whiteboard is something we're debuting. It's going to be a new thing we do every single day here. And the idea is to take it from an NHL locker room. So you walk into an NHL locker room, and the whiteboard is the center of the universe. Every morning, the lineup is Mm -hmm. written on the whiteboard. Um, At the end of a practice, there are two times written on the whiteboard. That's departure of the early bus and departure of the late bus, right? You come off the ice, first thing you do, you look at the whiteboard. Who's, who's responsible for doing media? Who's got this? Who's got that? When do we leave? When you come into the morning, where am I in the lineup? Am I a scratch? Am I a first liner? What opportunity am I getting? You look up on the whiteboard. The whiteboard is your one-stop shop. Like By the time you get to the game, there's like scouting notes on the opposing goaltender taped yep. up to the whiteboard. All sorts of content. The whiteboard is your one-stop shop for what you need to know today in the NHL. And now it will be for you, too as we recap everything you need to know about the Canucks in one tidy segment. So we will check a lot of boxes here in this segment, but we will start off, uh, start the whiteboard here with the headlines from the weekend. And in this case, lots going on over the weekend for the Canucks. Two games since we last chatted on Friday. They get a big divisional win on Friday in Seattle. Then they fall flat against the Sharks on Saturday. And of course, Beyond the results, one of the big headlines, uh, really the big headline from those two games, Andre Kuzmenko, healthy scratch in both in two consecutive games, Drancer. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like their game that much in either contest. I liked the third period in Seattle a bit, but I also felt like you get a deflection goal from Sam Lafferty and you get an unscreened wrist shot goal from Niels Hoaglander. That can't be your bread and butter. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get that consistently enough to have that be 
a staple. And I don't mean a staple the way Rick Tocchet <laughs> means a staple. Yeah. Big staples guy. But I mean that in terms of if you're leaning too heavily on that too consistently, and the Canucks are right now, I, I tend to think it spells trouble, right? Like the unscreened wrist shot goal for me, I don't know if you remember this game, but early in the John Tortorella era the Canucks I'll tell you I do not remember this specific game you might early in the John Tortorella era but let's see the Canucks demolished the Boston Bruins on Vancouver ice oh actually I was actually at that game there you go so there you go I do remember it actually and it was you know still fresh yep that game still mattered Brad Marchand you know left the ice to booze and and mimed raising the cup on Vancouver ice and kissing it the jackal but the Canucks win that game, and they go up 4-2 in the third period and an unscreened David Boothra shot. And I remember watching from home and just being like, if you need an unscreened David Boothra shot to win, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's – I don't think this win means much. And, like, deflections, you know, pucks in yep. off skates, unscreened wrist shot goals from guys like Hoaglander who are not, frankly, the sorts of guys that you can point to and be like, well, the Canucks have above-average finishers. When you say that – you don't mean no. Hoaglander. Typically, that's not who you're thinking about. So you know, I, I just sort of looked at it as a game that wasn't um, particularly good. Although I loved the I loved the contributions of Vancouver's bottom six. I thought the Garland line was killing it. I sort of wouldn't group the J- Joshua goal in with the others because even if it was a little greasy, that line's so due so frequently. Well, and it came after some <laughs> nice work, right, of Joshua, like, carrying it net. down the goal line yeah. and then, you know, getting it to Garland. Like, that's a goal where, again, you're not going to get it every game, but there's some sustainability to well, that process. Also, they're going to get more bounces than they've got because they're always in zone. They're always generating OZP. Um, wrote a column, by the way, afterwards, because I went into the Canucks room and I was chatting with them just about that goal and, and about, you know, the breakaway miss and um, – Turns out Garland and Joshua come back to the bench after, you know, various missed opportunities and and have just a joke. They're like, just keep rolling dice. Just yep. keep rolling dice. And and I always think that those, it's, a, it's a good way to look at it. It is. But those sort of like mantras or mottos that players develop to cope psychologically mm. with the annoyance, the, like the way that variance can beat you down at the NHL level, I think is always a... Uh, is always really fun. So I thought that was a fascinating nugget and a good insight into the fact that those guys know they're playing well, yeah. even if they're the back of the hockey card's a little pedestrian. The Sharks, do we want, what, what do we want to say about yeah, losing to the I Sharks? Yeah, I mean, it was... I think this is a case where two things can be right, where the the rest thing and the schedule loss is an important context, but also what Rick Tockett said. It's only context, though. Yeah, that's not an excuse. It's only context. It's context. But also, I think it's also true what Rick Tockett had to say, which is, yeah, but you got to fight through that. Yeah. And I think you can can hold both of those thoughts in your mind. Choice words. He was not happy. No. And I understand that. Playoff teams don't do this, was what he said. Yeah, and I understand that. And again, it's it's context of you know what was it seven games and eleven nights at that point. Yeah, for that's important. But sharks were four and six. But it, yeah, but it doesn't mean there's nothing you can do, or there's thing there's that there aren't things you can do to increase your chances of winning in that situation. You understand that the Canucks weren't at their best. You know, like here, I, I'm of two minds here because on the one hand, you win in Seattle, you lose in San Jose. The Seattle game is a four-point game. That was a huge one you, you needed to have. 100% you want it this way as opposed to the opposite. Not even close. Lose, losing to San Jose, it's like, you know, as as bad as that team is, as confident as I am that they will struggle to hit 50 points on the season, they're also still going to at some point have like a 6-2-1 and one run. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's how hockey works. That was like four, five, and one in their last 10. Well, so they're having that run right now. So, like, that's, that's just <laughs> normal, like, yeah, mediocre team, right? 
Yeah, well, they've become a more normal, yeah. mediocre team after whatever it was we saw in the first month. Um, I thought the... I thought, though, here's what here's my only concern with that game, and it's the same concern that I have after some Canucks wins. Like, they didn't score five on five, and they didn't carry play consistently, even with their top six on the ice, until they were down at even strength. Like, to me, the San Jose game was just like the culmination of a bunch of things that I've been worried about holding this team back from being a true contender, and that I've been worried about hold uh, will hold this team back even after games they've won. Like, even after that Islanders game. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if they're scoring enough five on five here. I don't know if there's enough juice here. They're not generating enough really high quality scoring chances. And when they don't get those deflections, when they don't get those bounces, it, it looks like they don't have the answers. Um, but I but I also thought and I, I think this is a sort of an interesting thing to remember is like we haven't seen the Canucks trail like that against an inferior team, like by two goals for an entire period, like maybe all season. This team's been leading so much. And, and one thing I will say is I thought we saw from the Canucks what you want to see in that 18 minutes. Like, Elias Pettersson, obviously the puck's not bouncing his way. Yeah. Probably not at his most confident point. I think I think you can see it. I think he wears it when he's on the ice a little bit. But that hit that he throws on Addison, mm-hmm. right, is like just by a hair on the right side of borderline. <laughs> you know, like it's a clean hit. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like a clean hit when you first see it. Um, when you see it in slow motion, it's like, wow, that's so just barely clean. Wow. And then he gets jumped, obviously, by Matt Benning, which is hilarious in its own right. Uh-huh. But people, people, I think, and I, I actually think there's like a bias because Pedersen's like slightly, like he's slight. Mm-hmm. And because he's European, I think people are like, they're taking advantage of a star, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. Pedersen just went Matthew Kachuk, Brad Marchand on a guy and threw this perfect hit a hair away from being dirty to invoke a response, to draw a key power play, to help his team get back in the game. They didn't score on it, but like when the bounces aren't going your way, that's like elite power forward type impact. Pedersen found a way to have that. I don't know. I, I like the way the Canucks pressed. I actually thought they showed us something a little bit. Um, in that last 18 minutes, and and that's where the context of them being fatigued to me matters more. Right. It's like they were able to dig deep and control the game like that and generate those types of chances. Um, I, I you know I ended up coming out away from that being like, okay, granted it's the Sharks, but I actually felt like they showed me something that I that I quite liked and that I'd been waiting to see. It looked the way I hoped it would, even if they didn't get the outcome. So they when we're talking headlines from the weekend, we got to get into the Andre Kuzmenko scratch. Yes. Now we kind of previewed and set it up a little bit on Friday when it became clear that he was going to sit uh, against Seattle. They win that game. And I think specifically the way they got their goals in that game probably plays into the fact that he sits against San Jose as well, because you look at, you know, Sam Lafferty scores in that game. Niels Hoaglander scores in that game. The bottom six in general had a really, really positive game. I was still surprised to see Andre Kuzmenko as a scratch again against San Jose. It's back to back. You figure, Hey, okay. Get some health, uh, get some fresh legs in there on the second half of a back to back. Now we'll get to the update from practice in a second here, but it looks like he's he's going to be back in the lineup. He's skating with Pedersen and McKayev again today at practice. The fact that it was two games in a row, though, is still I think pretty significant. Oh, because massively. the one game scratch—that's a thing that happens around the league, right? Like we just saw Patrick Laine get sat down for a game. We all know that's a 
that's an option in a coach's toolbox. To see it go for to two games for a guy who, even though he doesn't get first line minutes, is skating on, you know, in your top six, on your power play one, scored 39 goals last year, making a pretty decent salary. Like two games in a row, I think really tells us something. And I'm very curious to see where this goes for Andre Kuzmenko and Rick Tockett from here. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to get back up on the first line, it's another to get back on the power play. And that's sort of where I'm really curious mm. to see where we're going with Kuzmenko. I've got a mailbag up at The Athletic. It's our Cyber Monday sales, so go take advantage of that uh, $1 per month uh, offer that we have at The Athletic. But I've got a mailbag, and I, I really dove deep into what we're seeing with Andre Kuzmenko. And what's fascinating to me is we're really not seeing much drop-off in his 5-on-5 five -five form like at all. We're seeing a little bit of softness in terms of his personal goal scoring rate yeah and obviously his shooting percentage has diminished from 22 percent which was outrageous to 14 percent which by the way is still 70th among 263 forwards that have played 200 like this guy's still an above average finisher which yep. matches what we would expect even with the regression kicking in his five on five form's not different what's different he's playing two minutes less a game he's gone from bona fide third liner minutes to bona fide fourth liner minutes that's a trust issue. That's a earn your rope issue mm -hmm. uh, that, that he's sort of going through. The power plays where we're actually beginning to see some real softness. Like Kuzmenko was on 60 in on 60% of Canucks goals. So he received a credit for a point on 60% of Canucks five on four goals when he was on the ice last year. This year, that number's down at like 40%. That's a really big drop off. Uh, his shooting percentage there, by the way, went from 36 plus percent last season, which LOL, like my God to 10% this year. That's where we're really seeing a difference. Yeah. And then Philip Peronic comes in and both goals are manufactured off of interplay with him at that left circle. Does he get back on a PP one? That to me is the big question, which we won't know the answer to until tomorrow. When I would bet that Kuzmenko does go back on power play one as well as Peronic played there. I just think, because if Kuzmenko is going to be in the lineup, and all indications are that he is, and look, obviously, eventually he's going to get back into the lineup, you have to put him in a position to succeed. And if he's not on power play one for you, and the coach doesn't really trust him to play in big minutes at five on five, are you are you putting him in a position to get value to give you value? Right? I'm not sure that you are. Whereas Hronik, you can get a lot of value out of him, even if he's not. Uh, on your first power play unit. So I would expect Kuzmenko to go back to power play one, even though uh, even though Philip Ronick had success there. You know, the one thing I, I've seen people debating, like, oh, is this fair from Rick Tockett? Or, you know, how, she, how, she, how should he have How's handled this? How is it not this? favorite? Fair. What I will say is the one thing that's been – one thing that's been very clear about Rick Tockett is he puts in the work with his players, right? And he referenced that when he talked about the decision to scratch Kuzmenko on Friday, said, hey, I got to do more work with him. I got to help him uh, with his game. And even think back to – remember Tockett being out there skating with Jack Stodnika, rinsing him when he was going to be a scratch mm -hmm. on the road, right? Like we And we've all seen – Guys who are there watching, you know, practices or game day skates. How often have we seen Rick Tockett in long conversations with Andre Kuzmenko towards the end of skates, right? Like, that's a regular thing. And these are positive conversations. They're, like, good-natured ones, right? But he puts in that FaceTime. He puts in that work. And I think that's really important context. It would be very surprising to me. I'm sure Kuzmenko wasn't happy about it. But I don't think this was an out-of-nowhere 
the coach and the player have a bad relationship and I'm blindsiding you with a healthy scratch, right? Like the seeds of this have been, you've been able to see it coming a lot for a long time. And I think that's really important context here. Like, cause talk, it puts in the work. I'm sure the expectations have been communicated and if they weren't met, I think it's totally fair for him to take this step. Let's bookmark this and move on to the broadsheet. Not a lot going on no. in the rumor mill around the Vancouver Canucks right now, but I-, I thought it was notable that my colleague at The Athletic, Chris Johnston, brought up last week, uh, sort of reiterating that Elias Pettersson extension talks um, could take a while, that, that Forty isn't in a rush to do his next contract, uh, and it could take some time here. So, um just wanted to bring this up because it felt like two weeks ago there was a lot of optimism that it could get done and maybe even get done quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't heard much since, but all people reporting this information seem to have cooled on the prospect that it comes quickly. Uh, we'll use the broadsheet going forward to discuss rumors. The rumor mill. So make sure to text us in every day, by the way. If there's rumors yes. you want to hear our takes on, we will do our research and, for us. And because we're calling it the broadsheet, we can <laughs> incorporate more specious stuff than we might yes, otherwise. That's right. It doesn't have to be ironclad. Um, I'm going to do lineup notes. All right. Okay, so lineup notes. This is uh, obviously where – this is the lineup. This is how the Canucks lined up at practice today. This is per our Sportsnet 650 colleague, Brendan Batchelor. Mikheyev, Pedersen, Kuzmenko back together as Vancouver's first line. Beauvillier sticks with Miller and Besser. Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, by the way. Is there really a big gap between DiGiuseppe and Beauvillier? I feel like the Canucks top six has hit a hit a flat for reasons yes. that have nothing to do with DiGiuseppe. Yeah, and all of a sudden I, people are like, "Well, it's because this is what always well, happens." Okay, hold on, hold on. I don't think it's because of Phil DiGiuseppe, but I don't. I also don't think it's like in any way out of bounds to take him out of the lineup right now. Oh no, no, I don't think it's you out of I mean? bounds. But I, I'm just saying, is there? Are you really confident that there's like a big gap? In quality between Beauvillier and PDG, I don't define big gap. I think Beauvillier is a better player. Okay, I do. I think I, I think they're the same guy. To be honest with you, anyway, Joshua Bluger Garland, no surprise that line stays intact. Mm-hmm. Hoaglander, Amon Lafferty, lot of speed. By the way, that's like that's got to be the fastest fourth line since the Canucks had Cook, Chabarov, and Latowski on the fourth line. My goodness, uh, Cole McWard. Not the person, that's two people, Ian Cole with Cole McWard, uh, forming <laughs> the rare personification pair. Yeah. Um, Akito Hirose, Tyler Myers, Friedman Juleson, Hironic and Hughes got the day off. Um, no Pew Suter. No Pew Suter. Which that's is a most surprise yeah. to me, given that he was day-to-day and then he didn't travel, which de facto made him week-to-week, but I assume that he'd be ready to go um, we'll see what Rick Tockett has to say about that. Uh, Christian Mulanen, just want to bring him up under the Pucci rule that when we don't see Christian Mulanen, everyone should be asking, where is Christian Mulanen? Uh, Still hurt, didn't play for Abbotsford in Calgary this weekend. Got an update from Tockett that confirmed his injured status. By the way, just want to note, I hate to see a guy miss a big opportunity Yeah, no kidding. at the NHL level because of bad luck and bad timing like this. Also want to note that over the weekend, Neil Zaman signed a two-year one-way deal his waiver exempt status is expiring. Like, if it hasn't expired already, it will mm. this week. So, in calling him up, you call him up, you sign him to a deal, you reward him for what he did in the AHL this year, but you also make it possible, or at least feasible, that you could send a tall, fast 23 year old centerman through waivers and enhance the chances that he actually goes Clears. unclaimed because yeah. he's now got two years at a guaranteed NHL salary level attached to him. 
Um, good for him. Big weekend for Neil Zaman. Gets called up. Gets yeah. the contract. Gets a ton of points. points in. Yeah. yeah. Well, but and that but that contract is a really interesting one. Um, a lot of thought going into a move for a guy who's what this team's fourteenth. Mm -hmm. A best forward, which, as a details guy, you know I love. Yes, yes. And, hey, I, we've talked about the forward depth and an example of it coming up with Neil Zaman coming yep. in and just fitting seamlessly uh, into the lineup. All right, we'll hit the playoff forecast Ooh. here as well. And I'm going to handle this one, actually. I know you love Dom's model, but <laughs> per, per your uh, your colleague, Dom Lucision. I had to do the, the gambling. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I had to give that one to you. Uh, Canucks with a 95% chance to make the Woo! playoffs right now. And, of course, as we talk about, if you're going to distribute one loss and one win over the weekend, the Canucks definitely did it in the right order. Oh, yeah. Getting the big divisional win uh, against the Kraken helps a ton. Now, right now, per for, for their chances to finish where in the division, 25% chance to win the division, 29% chance to finish second, 30% chance uh, to finish third, and then it goes down from there. But basically a 60% chance to finish either second or third in the Pacific. And, of course, the implications of that are, well, you look at, okay, who's going to be the other team in that second, third spot because that's who you're going to meet in the playoffs should you get there. Yeah, it might not be L.A. might not be L.A. They're now projected <laughs> to win the division. They have been absolutely on fire. But you're still looking at the L.A., Vegas, or, interesting, with a couple of wins, Edmonton, now has a 16% chance per Dom's model to finish third in the Pacific. So a bit of a dark horse first round yeah. playoff matchup potential the, there. The, the the real scary thing with Edmonton is McDavid nine points in two games, right? Yep. If 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 Comet McDavid is is coming for uh for the NHL, that's uh you want to make like the dinosaurs. That's so scary. still the big number, 95% chance. 95%. So and and keep those numbers in mind as we get into the betting odds surrounding the team at the moment. We'll we'll focus on futures odds on non-game days and and obviously the lines and various props mm -hmm. on game days itself. Um Canucks are plus 600 to win the division. So that's about a 15%, 14% implied probability. So Dom's model suggests there's value would there. suggest there's value there. Uh, and this is a trend, by the way. Vegas was a little bit higher, maybe even a lot higher, on this Canucks team 10 days ago than it is today, sort of matching kind of what I've been seeing in, in terms of how they're trending. Canucks are now minus 350 to make the playoffs. Dom's model says 95%. Vegas says 78% implied probability, which is way down from, from where it was last week. I saw it at minus 450 uh, last week. 96.5 is the points over under. Do you have the Oilers playoff odds? Oh, yeah. They're still higher than the Oilers. No, but I'm just curious how much the yeah. Oilers have changed. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure they're up despite having lost three games in a row. <laughs> All right. Let me. Sorry uh, to throw you no, off. No, please. Here. Let me pull it up. Um, minus 180. Wow. So actually, the Edmonton Oilers to reach the playoffs. Minus 180. Minus 180. Holy cow. Wow. People are buying in, huh? People are buying oh, the wow. Oilers. Well, we'll get, we'll get into that more because Connor McDavid's also still the leader for the heart. Plus 400. <laughs> Incredible, eh? Amazing. Um, 96 and a half is the Canucks points over under for rest of season. They get to 96.5 point, uh, points like playing badly the rest of the way mm -hmm. given given how many points they've um they've spotted themselves and and to give you a sense of this too the Edmonton Oilers points over and under 93 and a half so like how how big's the gap in the standings it's like 14 points yeah it's 14 points and and only 3 at, at end of season per the books books are super high on Vegas on books, Edmonton. books yeah. are a little low people on the Canucks. Just, people can't quit Edmonton myself included which i get myself included 
Individual awards, by the way, Talkit plus 500 for the Jack Adams. He's the clear favorite. The next closest is plus 1,000. Who's like, that? He's in a class of his own. I guess I need to like take better notes for Sorry. when you ask questions. I'm, I'm grilling you. <laughs> I'm doing like the Socratic method here. Yeah, you got it. Um, happy to help, bud. Do your research, bro. Bruce Cassidy and Peter Laviolette are tied for second. Laviolette, by the way. I think is going to be building a really interesting case. I would be case. seeing what odds I could get on Todd McClellan, too. Oh, plus 1,400. That's interesting. That is interesting. Um, what about... Yeah, anyway. We'll, we, we can do a whole segment on that later. Um, Quinn Hughes, the prohibitive favorite for Norris, mm. despite being outdueled in Denver on Wednesday, um, plus 160, with McCarr being a close second at plus 2,200. No one else close. No one else in their territory. Rasmus Dahlin's third. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> um, and then here's an interesting one. Pedersen McDavid, or Pedersen, fifth in heart voting, plus 900. Okay. okay? And he, he's behind currently McDavid, Pasternak, Jack Hughes, and Austin Matthews, tied with Nikita Kucherov out of Tampa Bay. So a fair bit of respect for Pedersen for heart. Quinn Hughes, by the way, also has climbed pretty significantly. He's entered the top 10 uh, in heart voting, plus 2,500 for Vancouver's defender, who has become clearly one of the five best skaters Very on the planet. All right, there you go. That is the whiteboard. The first ever one. Everything you need to know. Everything you need to know about the Canucks today, uh, Monday, November 27th. And look, lots more to get into. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to pull at some of the threads that we touched on there in the whiteboard, including, I think, the status and the play of Elias Pettersson and the top six in general, really, right now. I want to get into that and some of the other things we've seen uh, from the Canucks practice today as well. We'll take some of your texts. Lots more coming up here uh, on Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650.